Thank you for downloading the One Church Gloucester podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. To find out more about life at One Church, visit us online at thisisonechurch.com. So I have the privilege this afternoon to continue with our latest teaching series. If you're new to this space, what we do as a church is we'll spend a duration of time focusing in on a particular topic and we are in our latest teaching series at the moment which is called Our House. And we're going to be here up until we are one. We're going to be studying this up until we are one together um, and looking at our house. And Throughout this series, there'll be two places where we can apply the principles and the ideas that we're talking about. And number one, when we say our house, we're referring to this church, this space, this house, this, this home, this community of people that we gather together. What is this built on? Um, what, what are we building together? What does it look like? And that's what we mean when we say our house. John said last week, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And, and he said it in kind of reference to like, if we can go all in on this, we can believe together that God will do something significant, believe that he will in this space and in this house. Um, and the second place that we can apply some of these ideas and principles is to, is to your house. When we say our house, your house, your family home, um, your business maybe that you're building, uh, your house, like what, 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 it is, what it is we can build there. And, and John last week again said um, that phrase, you've made your bed, now lie in it. It doesn't necessarily have to be true. You can, you can change your bed. Like, metaphorically or literally, just, just get a new mattress. You can decide what kind of space you want to live in and what you want to build. And that's what we'll be talking about over the next few weeks together. We've got um, a key verse which we're going to be um, referencing every time we speak. And it's found in Proverbs 24, verses 3 to 4. And it says this, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Psalm 119 verses 130 says, The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Anyone feel a bit simple this morning? Good. Um, I don't know about you, but I love this time on a Sunday morning because regardless of who we are, regardless if we consider ourselves to be an intellectual or not, an academic or not, if you have a a doctorate or a degree that you lord over your partner like my wife does to me, um, it doesn't matter. Because all of us in this space can gain understanding through the unfolding of his word. And that's my prayer this morning and that's what I hope for, is that all of us today would gain gain an understanding of who God is, who Jesus is, and the impact that that has on our life. And my prayer is that we would never, that we wouldn't be the same. We would leave this place changed by his word. Are you okay to pray that with me now? And then we'll continue. So Father God, we thank you that we can just gather together here as your church. And we pray that as we unfold your word, it would give us understanding. Lord God, it's you that builds your church. It's you that gives us the blueprints and tells us how to build and what to do. So we trust you, God. I pray that each and every one of us would leave this place different, having heard your word and seeing Jesus. We pray this, Lord, in your name. Amen. 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 I've not not preached here for four months now four months it's been that's how long it's been I don't know what I did wrong um, no I'm joking Form I've been preaching in different places but I've, I've, this is the first time in four months I've been able to preach so I'm excited I feel like I've got a lot of pent-up preach in me um, that I'm excited to, to kind of unleash on you today um, I've been I've been preaching to my son 
um, in, in frustration, you know, hoping that one day he'll get saved. Um, he's yet to respond to any of my appeals, um, but we're praying and believing. He just bites me and dribbles on me at the moment, um, but we'll get there in Jesus' name. So um, over the next few weeks, uh, we'll be looking again. This is our house, and we'll be looking at what this house is built on. So for example, John, in, in a few weeks' time, will be talking about a house of authenticity, and Amy will be talking about a house of praise. Um, and today, I'm going to be talking about a house of forgiveness. A house of forgiveness. This place is to be a house of forgiveness. Um, and to help me kind of get into what I want to talk about, to frame what I want to talk about, I want you to think of a time where you got frustrated, not at a circumstance or not at yourself, but you were frustrated and annoyed with another human being. Just, just think of a time where someone did something, said something that just annoyed you. It just ticked you off. Perhaps you were shopping and someone just bumped their trolley into you and didn't say sorry. Right, uh, that's, that's a tut-worthy activity, that right there, isn't it? Like the British people, when we get furious, we tut. So maybe, maybe, maybe you held the door open for a stranger and they didn't say thank you. It's, it's outrageous, isn't it? It's frustrating. And I don't know about you, but I, I find I'm far more susceptible to uh, frustration, impatience, um, to criticise people when I'm sat behind my steering wheel in my car. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is when I turn the ignition and the car starts. I give myself permission to become less patient and more frustrated with people um, when I'm surrounded by a ton of metal that can travel over 100 miles per hour. I don't know what that is. And, but just the other day, oh, sorry, a, a while ago, earlier this year, I was the recipient of someone else's road rage. It wasn't a nice feeling, I can tell you that. And essentially what had happened was I was, I was at a junction and I was waiting to join slow-moving traffic. Yeah? Slow-moving traffic. And if you're a driver, you'll know this. You know that what you do is you, you try and lock eye contact, don't you, with someone. Like a, a kind citizen that would just slow down, would flash their lights, would gesture you out. You try and lock eye contact, waiting for that kind person. And I, I was there waiting. It's like, no, no, you're rude. No, no. <laughs> And now, if, you, if, you, if you've been there, you know this, that if you are given that window of opportunity, you have a very small time to act. If, you, if, if someone flashes you and gestures, you, you need to move pretty quickly. You need to join that slow-moving traffic. You need to put your hazards on, say thank you, all is right with the world. On this particular day, I missed my window. So I'm, I'm waiting, and I'm looking the other way, and then I turn, trying to, trying to lock eye contact. I went back to the activity of trying to find someone that would let me out. I turn only to see what I could only describe as pure rage, like being fired towards me, because I had been looking the wrong way as this lady had slowed down, inconvenienced her day, and, and kind of flashed the lights and gestured out, and I wasn't looking. So she was just furious. Was, you know, the, the gesture had taken an ugly turn and she was mouthing things at me and just like, and I, I didn't really know what to do, it was a bit overwhelming. Um, I, I kind of laughed awkwardly, like, oh, ah, sorry, uh, joined, joined the slow moving traffic after her, but it didn't feel too great after that. Um, a few weeks later, I am now the one in slow moving traffic and I didn't see the lady, sort of bump up on the curb, I didn't, um, I didn't see the lady, I, I was... <laughs> I was the one in slow moving track, and I saw someone else that was in the same situation as me, waiting to be let out. So, what I did, with this in, with this in mind, with the fact that I had been in such need, I slowed down. I flashed my lights, I, I kind of gestured out in a, in a loving, benevolent way, in such a way that would express the love of God to this person. You know, I'll, I'll pray for you. That kind of... Um, and he didn't see me. He didn't see. He wasn't looking. 
as I slowed down, as I stopped my day, interrupted my day, he didn't see me. And now, with the fact that I had made the exact same mistake only a few weeks ago, what do you think I did? I'll tell you what I did. I got frustrated. I got annoyed at him. <laughs> I, have, I have slowed down for you. How dare you not see me? How dare? And I, t- I gave him one of these as I drove by. I gave him one of these. <laughs> I carried on on podcast. That was a kind of look of disdain as I was shaking my head. I, I judged and criticised another human for something that I had done only weeks before. I got frustrated at him for something that I had done only a few weeks before. I wonder if anyone else... I wonder if we do that in any other part of our life. Now, I want to read a story today, um, which is from the Bible, um, and it's a story it, we, where we gain an insight into the house of a man named Simon. Um, and Simon, we're told, was a Pharisee, so a religious leader, and he invites Jesus around for a meal. And in this account, we see what is absent in this man's home and what is present. We see what the man's home is lacking, but we see what is actually in there. And it's found in... Luke 7 is where we're going to read from. It's going to be on screen. Um, Luke 7, 37, sorry, 36 is where we're going to go from. And it says this. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, another 50. Neither of them had money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Now, this may be a familiar or unfamiliar story to you. I, I've heard this story before, and I've heard it preached on before. And when I've heard it, um, the emphasis is placed on the woman, this woman that comes in and has obviously found redemption and forgiveness in Jesus. And she just wants to express that. She doesn't care what anyone else is saying or doing, and she, she embarrasses herself almost, but she just wants to express her gratitude to Jesus. And, and she has been the kind of the focal point of a few different messages that I've heard. But I'd like us today to focus on the host, to focus on Simon, because his reaction gives us an insight into his house. And we see what's absent and what's present in his house. You see, what was absent in this guy's house was welcome, was love, and was generosity. Those things were lacking in Simon's house. 
So Jesus said, you didn't give me any water for my feet. So it was a custom at the time for a host to provide water for their guests to wash their feet. They would have worn sandals. There would have been dust and mud on their feet. And to refresh and to clean, they would have given water. But that welcome was lacking in Simon's home. Next, love. You didn't give me a kiss. You didn't welcome me. There was no sign of affection or love. It was lacking in love. And then lastly, generosity. You didn't give me oil for my head. This woman has given me the best that she had, the perfume. But you didn't give me anything absent of welcome, love, and generosity. Instead, what we see was criticism and judgment. He criticised Jesus. If this man were a prophet, if he really knew what he was talking about, he would know who was touching him. And he judged the woman. She is a sinner. She doesn't deserve to be near me, him. Absent of welcome, love, generosity, what was present, criticism and judgment. And because we see Jesus' response, we're given an insight as to why that's the case. Simon, so Jesus says this, whoever has been forgiven little, will love little. And the suggestion here is that Simon, this Pharisee, this religious leader, the host of the home, had somewhere along the line convinced himself that the way he lived, how he acted, how he conducted himself, maybe the strict uh, adherence to the law, to religion, made made it the case that he didn't need to be forgiven of much. I need to be forgiven of little. I'm not the one that needs to be forgiven. She is. I'm not the sinner. She is. Simon had a forgiven little mentality. A forgiven little mentality which empowered him to judge and criticise. Made him superior to the woman. A forgiven little mentality was the reason that his house was lacking in welcome, love and generosity. And for us this morning, a forgiven little mentality, it's, it's ugly and it's, it's nasty And it's so subtle and it so subtly finds its way into our lives too. And it's revealed, as it was revealed in Simon's home, it's revealed when you and I criticise and judge one another. A forgiven little mentality is revealed when we criticise and judge each other. When I tut, when I roll my eyes at you, when I think little of you, when I gossip about you, what that's revealing in me is a forgiven little mentality. So so let let me explain. Um, if I want to, so you and I have a conversation, and I say to you, did you see, did you see what that person was wearing? Did, how ridiculous their outfit was? Did you see that? If I, if I judge that person in that way, I need to, for a moment, forget that time where I needed to be forgiven of the terrible outfit that I once wore. Okay? Does that make sense? You tracking with me? Another example, if I judge another person for how bad a job they've done at something, did you see how much of a terrible job they made of that presentation? They, that was a shambles, that was terrible. In order for me to say that, I need to forget the time that I needed to be, needed to be forgiven for the bad jobs that I've done and for the time where I dropped the ball and didn't do a good thing. If, if I say to someone, you have, you have offended me, sir. I am offended by what you have done. In order for me to say that, I need to forget the time where I was the offender. Well, I needed to be forgiven for being the offender. If I'm going to judge or criticise, it reveals a forgiven little mentality in me. If I were to invite you around to, to, to my home, to, to where Lauren and I live and Caleb lives, I could, I'm going to tread carefully now, but I could quite easily show you a few parts of the house that Lauren hasn't tidied up her stuff. Okay? Treading carefully. Now, sometimes I am... Brave enough, courageous enough, stupid enough to say to Lauren, uh, what, about, uh, what about this? 
you uh, you're going to tidy this up ever? You're just going to leave that there? You're just going to leave that on the side? And if if I step into that, if I am so stupid as to, to say something like that, do you know what the reply is? What about your mess? What about, what about that? And she points to the larger piles and the bigger things. I'm like, no, we're not talking about that now. We're talking about this cup that you've left on the side. Yes, but I'm talking about the bike that you have left by the door. We literally can't get in the house. That happened this week. <laughs> and we, you know, then we argue and then we just live in squalor, basically. <laughs> Refusing to tidy up. That's, that's why we can't see the floor. It's so easy, isn't it, to, to look over our little piles of mess to see others. Like, when are you going to tidy that up? When are they going to sort their life out? When, when, when are they going to stop doing that? And in order for us to do that, we need to look over the fact that we are surrounded by mess all of the time. A forgiven little mindset, it ignores what we need to be forgiven for and highlights what others need to be forgiven for. Yeah. And we criticise and we judge and we tut and we roll our eyes and we gossip. All of that is revealing a forgiven little mindset. And, and I, I can't overstate how dangerous a forgiven little mindset is in the context of this church. If we allow that forgiven little mindset to creep in, in our, in our ranks, it will have devastating consequences for us. You see, our key verse, it's by understanding that a house is established. That's, that's what we're reading. It's by understanding that a house is established. A really good tip for criticising someone is try not to understand them. If I'm going to criticise you, I don't want to empathise with you. If I'm going to judge you, I can't understand where you're coming from. I don't want to understand where you're coming from because that makes it harder to judge you. So we don't understand one another. Instead, we judge and pull each other apart with devastating consequences. If we understand one another, if we empathise with one another, if we recognise that you're just as messed up as I am, that strengthens us, that establishes this house. The opposite, if we judge, criticise, refuse to understand where everyone else is coming from, pulls us apart. It undermines everything that we stand for. It undermines the mission of this place. And in the case of Simon's house, this is one of the things that it resulted in. I want to highlight this in particular. It resulted in Simon withholding water. So Jesus said, you didn't give me any water for my feet. This thing that was supposed to bring refreshment and to cleanse, you didn't offer that. that that's what the case was in Simon's house. And the reality is this, church, that we live in a broken, hurting, and parched world that is in desperate need of the refreshing love, hope, grace, and forgiveness of Christ, which those that have found redemption have found. If we allow a forgiven little mentality to creep in, we will withhold that water. And we'll withhold that. We will, we will just, we will, I'm, I'm good. Like, I'm, I'm okay. It's them. They're the ones, and if we're not careful, culturally we end up giving people the impression that their feet are too dirty to come into this place. We make people conscious, if we're not intentional, we'll make people self-conscious of the fact that, ah, no, I've trodden in that this week. So maybe church isn't the place that I want to be. If we have, we can almost create a shoes off at the door policy, where we make people feel bad for what they drag in. That's what a forgiven little mentality will lead us to. To be honest, like what happens in, in the case with me, where I see that manifest, isn't typically in my kind of like, I, I wouldn't like go out to judge or condemn. Where it manifests in my life is in the way of apathy or indifference. That I'm quite content just to leave people in whatever state they're in. I'm okay. And in so doing, I'm withholding that water from them. 
and I'm withholding the good news that is in me and how God might want to use me to be this source of refreshment or to point people to him. And I'm quite content just to stay comfortable in this house. I'm in. In so doing, we make people feel lesser than those that are in. And like church, we need to rage against a shoes off at the door policy. And we need to acknowledge that this is a house of forgiveness, that the floor, metaphorically, is filthy every week because we're here. And we've dragged in our stuff. And we've trodden in stuff this week. So what gives me the right to judge you? What gives me the right to criticise you? I am just as broken as the rest of us. I am in just as need of forgiveness, redemption, salvation, grace, as everyone else in this room. And we need to intentionally and deliberately make sure that this place is known as being a place of refreshment and life and grace and kindness and generosity and love. And a forgiven little mindset will kill all of that. It says this in 1 Timothy um, verses 1, 1 Timothy 1 verses 14, sorry. It says, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God be honour and glory forever and ever. Amen. Would the worst sinner please stand up? I am the worst sinner. No, I am the worst sinner. This, is, this was written by Paul, who, who wrote so much of what we understand of Jesus and the gospel and redemption and salvation, and has helped, has helped billions worldwide receive Jesus. And yet here he is saying, I'm the worst. I'm worse than all of you. Jesus came to save a sinner of whom I am the worst. We should outdo one another to recognize this is a house of forgiveness, and I am more broken than you. Who am I to judge, or tut, or roll my eyes, or make you feel bad for being here? I'm here, and I'm the worst. We should contend with one another for that fact. So when Jesus died on the cross, it says in scripture that the temple veil, the curtain, was torn from top to bottom. It wasn't just set aside, it wasn't moved um, on a temporary basis, it was torn. And the the veil represented the separation between humanity and God. So it was only a certain few that were deemed worthy or righteous enough that could go into God's presence that was behind this curtain. And instead it was torn from top to bottom. And that, for me, symbolises and represents the irreparable, irreversible, open-door policy that the presence of God should have and that this church should have. So it doesn't matter who you are, where you've come from, what you've done, what you've done this week, what you've done this morning, what you did last night. You are welcome here and you are open to receive the free forgiveness in Christ that we all have been recipients of. And who am I to look down on you? Who am I to judge you? Who am I to think of myself as superior to you? To tut. If I do, that is a forgiven little mentality that will tear this place apart. A forgiven much mentality unites us in understanding we all need Jesus. We all need forgiveness. I saw this um, represented. I was, I was in the Philippines on mission and we had a great team with us and we would go to these different communities um, and um, 
this young man uh, kind of really attached himself to us and would kind of follow us wherever we went. And he was severely handicapped. And like, so much so that he um, would like, struggle to wash himself, it seemed. Um, but I kind of want to point out and embarrass a member of our team, Phil, because Phil was so intentional about making this guy feel loved and part of what we were doing. And he would just welcome him and he would just speak to him and really spend time with him. And there's a greeting in the, the Philippines or a, a sign of respect that kids would show to, uh, to an elderly person. And they take their hand, the hand of the elderly person, and just touch it on their forehead. And it's it's really beautiful, it's really respectful. And I'm yet to have it done to me. Um, And I think because I'm too young, not because they don't respect me. Um, (laughs) And and at the end of our time there, um, again, Phil had really been deliberate in showing some love to this young man that was just like a part of what we were doing. And Phil takes this guy's hand and just touches it on his head as a sign of respect to this young man. And it was so clear that that guy had never had that done to him before. Wow. And he didn't really know what to do. He was just, he was just blown away. And I think then, Phil, you gave him his, your hat as well. Have my hat too. Lovely. And it's a simple yet powerful demonstration, I think, of the fact that although Phil, in many respects, is far more fortunate than this young man was, they're the same. They're just as in need of love, just as in need of acceptance, of forgiveness, of healing, and far be it from Phil to hold that back from him, thinking that somehow Phil is is better than him, and he didn't. It was a small act of kindness, and I think sometimes it's the simple acts, it's the simplicity, it's the the word of kindness, it's the word of encouragement, it's the not letting someone sit by themselves, it's the not letting someone get bullied at school, it's the not letting someone just suffer alone because it's their fault in their work. No, let's let's help, let's be proactive, let's take people's hands and show them respect and demonstrate that love for people. This place has to have an open door policy for everyone. I, um, I can't think of a, a non-pretentious way of starting this story, so I'm just going to start it. I was travelling in Thailand um, <laughs> by myself, and um, I, was, I was walking around a certain place, and, and there came, I sat down, and on a seat quite close to me, a gentleman sat down, and he was on a phone call. Um, and straight away, I recognised the accent. He was speaking English. I was like, I, I know that accent. And so as soon as he finished talking on the phone, um, I, just, I said, oh, excuse me, where are you from? And he, he then said, oh, I'm, I'm from the UK. And now I hadn't spoken to anyone in a while, so I was quite lonely. So I was like, no way, me too. I'm from the UK, whereabouts? And then he said, well, you know, it's kind of you know, the, the Southwest Midlands area. And I'm like, no, I'm from the Southwest kind of Midlands area. We don't really know, do we, where we are? I'm from the Southwest kind of Midlands area too. Whereabouts are you from? And he said, well, I'm from, I'm from Gloucestershire. No way, me too. I'm from Gloucestershire. And he said, whereabouts? Whereabouts in Gloucestershire? And he said, oh, the Forest of Dean. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> okay, no, I'm joking. It's open to everyone, even if you're from the forest. No, it's fine. But I was just so excited to have a rapport and a relationship with this guy. You are from the same place as me. You are the same as me. Let's hang out. And when you and I turn up to this house or any of our houses, we need to recognise that we are all in the same place. You struggle, so do I. You don't get it all the time. Neither do I. Do you have doubts? Yes, me too. Great. You drop the ball sometimes. No way, so do I. You don't know what you're doing. I never know what I'm doing. (laughs) Brilliant. 
And that's how we should interact with one another. When did we think it's okay to tut and to roll our eyes and to get frustrated with each other and to speak little of one another? We should champion each other because we're all the same. And we all need forgiveness. We all need redemption. We all need grace. We all need kindness. We all need love. So my encouragement to you, my challenge to you, this, this is a house of forgiveness. So let's proactively make sure that that is the case. And let's fight against a forgiven little mentality. We have been forgiven much. I have been forgiven much. And I want all that I do to be fueled by forgiveness. Fueled by recognition that I am the worst. I am the worst, therefore I will serve and I will help and, and pour out this grace which has been lavished on me. And, and just, to, just to finish really what, what, I'm, what I'm saying, um, just really feel that some of us, it's not necessarily extending forgiveness to others or withholding that to other people. For some of us, the battle and the struggle is, is forgiving ourselves. There may be things that you have done, there may be a time where you drop the ball, there may be a mistake that you have made and you are refusing to forgive yourself and you are punishing yourself over it and you're berating yourself over the, the thing that happened in your past this week, last year, 10 years ago, and it's crippling you. So when Jesus died, he took on his shoulders our sin, our debt, our error, as far as the east is from the west. That's how far he's removed our transgressions from us. And if Christ has forgiven you, what what gives you the right to not forgive yourself? And I'm just believing that this morning, um, the Holy Spirit is going to empower some people perhaps for the first time, to forgive yourself. To go out from this place free from that condemnation, free from that guilt, free from that voice that says that you, are, you, you don't deserve to be in God's presence. What a lie that is. What a lie that is. The enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy, but Jesus came that we might have life and life to the full. And what the enemy would seek to steal from you is the hope and the joy and the the freedom that comes with knowing that we are forgiven. What the enemy would want to destroy in your life is your purpose and, and, and just the, the room to move into all that God has for you. We'd love to take that from you, just that little voice of condemnation or guilt. I'm just believing this morning that's going to be broken in Jesus' name. And right now, I just want to pray for that, if that's okay. Um, just have a moment of privacy between you and God. You want to bow your head, close your eyes. Um, if that's you, and you have been battling... Um, with an inability to forgive yourself over something you have done. You need to know that you are the righteousness of Christ. As far as the east is from the west, that is how far he's removed your transgressions from you. Every mistake, no matter how big or small it is, can be forgiven today in Jesus' name and you can forgive yourself. If that's you, can you just pop your hand up so I know who I'm praying for? That's great. Hold them high, put them higher for me please so I know. Hands all over the room. Come on, you put them down again. In Jesus' name, speak freedom over these people. That they walk out from this place knowing who the sun sets free is free indeed. Knowing that we don't need to carry around shame, guilt, condemnation, despair. But we can walk with our heads held high knowing we are a child of God. That we've been adopted and it's by grace that we are saved through faith. Not because of our works, but because of you, Jesus. So freedom, in Jesus' name, we pray. Um, Hayden's there, great. I want to pray for us now. Um, that we would um, rage against the forgiven little mentality and that this would be a house of forgiveness, that people can come into this place knowing that they are loved and accepted regardless of what's gone on and that we would proactively 
be that source of refreshment for them. That in a sense, we'd get out of the way and just point to the free forgiveness found in Christ. Can I pray that for us, church? Come on. Do you want to stand with me? We'll pray this together. Yeah, in the name of Jesus, we declare that this is a house of forgiveness. That shame has no place here. Condemnation has no place here. Judgment has no place here. Criticism has no place here. The rolling of the eyes has no place here. Tuts, we ban tuts in Jesus' name. God, would this be a, a place of grace and freedom and kindness and love open to everyone, open to the least, to the worst? Why? Because we have been recipients of that as the least and as the worst. Jesus, build this house through our understanding that we need you, that we long for you and we need your forgiveness. And teach us, Lord, to come back to that each and every day to remind ourselves of the free forgiveness found only in you, Jesus, we pray. In your wonderful name, amen.